going on, everybody? Welcome to Ask a Catholic Dude here on Anchor FM. I am that Catholic dude. Name is Nick. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, taking any calls, questions, comments, what have you on uh, the Catholic Church, everything you have to do with the Catholic Church. Uh, so feel free to call in with any of your comments. Um, and today I wanted to bring up um, a subject that has been kind of brewing in my head for a little while and kind of got brought to the forefront recently. Uh, just yesterday, two, a few days ago, actually, with the passing of my uncle, and uh, he he was a great guy, and I remember a lot of fond times with him. He was my great uncle, so you know he was getting on in age. You know he had Alzheimer's, and uh, you know he was on a ventilator for the last few weeks of his life, and. He was always, he was just always really a fun guy. I remember him, he was a barber by trade, and I remember him always cutting my hair when I was a kid and just making the funniest jokes and stuff, and he, he was always in a good mood. I, 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 I really enjoyed being around him, and sad that my kids can't really get to know him uh, the way that I did. But, you know, I got to go to his funeral yesterday, <clears throat> and as Catholic Christians, you know, it's it's a time where... We mourn a little bit. We do mourn because we're human and we're not going to see this person anymore on this earth. But we also know that since we're Christians, we know that we we have that well-founded hope that we're going to see him again. That well-founded hope that, that St. Paul speaks of in his letters. Because we believe in the, in the resurrection of the dead. We believe that we will be uh, united again together, God willing, in heaven. And it's just... It's it's beautiful to know that we have this hope. It's beautiful that we have this hope in Christ that this isn't the end. This isn't the end. We we will see our loved ones again. And I really appreciated the priest. The priest uh, gave a, a great homily, and there was no no real eulogy, no real eulogy at all uh, by anybody. Um, one of my uncle's sons gave a small you know eulogy at the gravesite after mass. <coughs> excuse me, after the funeral mass, but the priest didn't, you know, waste too much time on sentimentality, he he talked about, you know, some great things that my, my uncle did, and, you know, how he served in the Korean War and whatnot, but he kept the focus on Jesus, that was the main thing, he kept the focus on Jesus, and reminded us of how we need to be on that path to perfection, how we need to avoid the snares of the devil, and pointed out to us that he is something we need to watch out for. The devil is an actual being that we need to watch out for, and that we can always have consolation in Christ. And it was just beautiful the way that he he put things, and he didn't, I was very grateful for this, he didn't instantly canonize my uncle. He didn't declare that my uncle was a saint, um, as we see so many people do today, you know, where they say, oh, he's in heaven watching over us, he's, you know, he's an angel and he got his wings. Um, and, and, you know, it's it, it, people, you know, have sentimentality, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult time for some people and they're struggling with the things to say, but First, I'll say this, you know, about the angels, which I which I hear a lot. We're way better off than the angels. Let, let me tell you, the angels, you know, angelic beings are, I don't, don't want to say jealous of us, but, you know, they. Th- this is why Lucifer 
left God's side in the first place, that, that God would favor humanity uh, so much, especially in sending his only son to earth as a human, Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man. And Jesus shares our nature. Jesus doesn't share the nature of the angels. So when somebody says, oh, he's an angel in heaven, it's like, no, being a human is awesome. God became a human. God became one of us. Like that song, God is one of us. You know, what if God was one of us? Well, he was one of us. Um, and that's the awesome thing. So I don't like the whole angel thing, you know. And then second, we don't know the eternal destination of anybody. You know, we often hear that that phrase, judge not. Don't judge this person. Don't judge them. Well, it goes both ways, you know. And in, in the next segment here, I'm, I'm going to explain what I mean by judge not in this context of funerals. So when I say don't judge in the context of funerals or in the event of one of our loved ones dying or anybody we know dying, you know, don't judge means in context, that, that verse from, from the Gospels. When Jesus says don't judge, he means don't make the judgment that only God can make. That's why, you know, we don't, we don't know a person's heart. We don't know a person's heart. We can't judge them. We can make, we can make a, a good, good judgments about actions so when a person lives an immoral lifestyle then this means you know we, we can judge their actions we can judge that they've done something immoral and likewise when they've done or conversely i should say when they do something good then we can judge those actions and say oh that person has done awesome things and that's why we're able to say you know what uh many of these funerals like you know this person lived in god's grace it was great um so I just want to stress that, that that's why I just I, I, I don't like it when, when people start saying these things because then it, you know, when people start saying like, oh, he's in heaven now for sure. And because then it's like, well, then that means he doesn't need our prayers because remember, Catholics, uh, as well as Orthodox Christians, believe in a state of purification after death if we have still that stain of sin on our soul if we still have that stain of sin on our soul and that's talked about uh, in many places in the New Testament um, as well as even in the Old Testament um, and, uh, and when Judas Maccabeus uh, you know prays for the dead um, you know he did a holy and righteous thing it says there uh, because you know what what point would there be to pray for the dead unless they needed it um, because let's face it, if, if they're in heaven, they don't need our prayers. Um, if they're in hell, they don't need our prayers. But if somebody is in purgatory, which is what Catholics call the state of purification, then we pray for them so that their their purification may be hastened and they may be able to enter into that eternal beatitude to be with God in heaven. Um, and then another byproduct of that, uh, the whole instant canonization thing that, that we see sometimes even at Catholic funerals, it, it takes the focus off of Jesus. Um, because when, when, when a funeral is done in the context of the Mass, when the rite of Christian burial is done in the context of a Mass, um, <clears throat> we are there first and foremost to celebrate the Eucharist. Here, here's what uh, the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church has to say on the celebration of funerals. Um, th this is from uh, paragraph uh, 1684. 
Uh, it, it reads, The Christian funeral confers on the deceased neither a sacrament nor a sacramental, since he has passed beyond the sacramental, beyond the sacramental economy. It is nonetheless a liturgical celebration of the church. The ministry of the church aims at expressing efficacious communion with the deceased, at the participation in that communion of the community gathered for the funeral, and at the proclamation of eternal life to the community. And then, uh, skipping ahead just a little bit to uh, paragraph 1689, the Eucharistic sacrifice. Um, I'm sorry, um, well, first, 1688. Um, this, this is what... Uh, the Catechism has to say on eulogies. Uh, the Liturgy of the Word, that's when the, the readings from the scriptures are read. During funerals, this demands very careful preparation because the assembly present for the funeral may include some faithful who rarely attend the liturgy and friends of the deceased who are not Christians. The homily in particular must avoid the literary genre of funeral eulogy and illumine the mystery of Christian death in the light of the risen Christ. So, 1689 says this about the Eucharistic sacrifice. When the celebration takes place in church, the Eucharist is the heart of the paschal reality of Christian death. In the Eucharist, the church expresses her efficacious communion with the departed, offering to the Father and the Holy Spirit the sacrifice of the death and resurrection of Christ. She asks to purify his child for, of his sins and their consequences, and to admit him to the paschal fullness of the table of the kingdom. It is by the Eucharist thus celebrated that the community of the faithful, especially the family of the deceased, learn to live in communion with the one who has fallen asleep in the Lord by communicating in the body of Christ, of which he is a member, and then by praying for him and with him. So we always pray for the person that's died. And in that Eucharistic sacrifice, we remember Jesus, that Jesus atoned for that person. The atonement covers that person. And there may be still some imperfections on his soul that has to be purified before he gets into heaven. That's why we pray for him, and that's why we offer up the Mass for him, the funeral Mass and any Masses after that. I want to give you guys one more insight onto this. and Do that in the next segment. So the last thing I wanted to mention to you guys, another example of this would be from an homily. Did I say an homily? This guy was hard to know what to say with, with H's, you know. I guess a homily? I don't know. We'll say a homily. So there was a homily that came out a couple of years ago that was on national TV. Um, you guys may remember the recent passing of Justice Antonin Scalia and his funeral mass was actually broadcast live um, on several news channels. And I remember being home at the time, and I thought, well, you know, let's let's check it out and you know see what's going on. You know, I had some time, and I turned it on right after the gospel, and I saw the priest go up to preach the homily. And the priest actually turned out to be Father Paul Scalia, who was one of Justice Scalia's children. He is a priest in Texas, and he gave the most wonderful funeral homily, touching on all the points that that need to be touched on um, in a funeral. He 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 refuted the the abuse of a funeral homily to to eulogize the deceased. He he didn't do it. He 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 didn't turn it into a political spectacle. He established a a. A, a really, really true connection between his homily and the sacrifice of the mass, and it, it, it was great. And you know, so many, so many things he said about about his father um, were not 
subjective, mushy things, but objective things like he 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 had the grace to provide for his 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 wife and his family. He he was you know clothed in the new waters of baptism as a young child. Um, and and a really cool thing that he said at one point was, "Let us not show him." Justice Scalia, a false love and allow our admiration to deprive him of our prayers. You could tell that Father Scalia, Father Paul Scalia, was really concerned with his father's soul. Because that that's the thing. When people start to think that the person that's died is definitely in heaven, then we don't pray for them. You look in your bulletin every week, if, if you're a Catholic, you look in your, your parish bulletin every week and you see the names of Mass intentions, and if there's a little cross there, that person is, has been, is deceased, and a Mass is being offered up for their, for their soul. Since the souls in purgatory, the souls that are awaiting purification to enter heaven, cannot pray for themselves anymore, as they, they could here on earth, we still can. That's the beauty of the communion of saints. That's the beauty of the church triumphant, the church suffering, and the church militant. The church militant here on here on earth. We can pray for those in the church suffering. We can offer up our prayers for them, our actions up for them, our sacrifices for them. And so that's what Father Scalio means by a false love. Let's not show him a false love by saying, oh, you're such a great person. He did God's will and he's in heaven. Uh, he's watching over us all. No, that deprives him of our prayers. And I've made it clear to my loved ones and even in my will, um, you know, in, please pray for me after I die. Um, please pray for my uncle who's died. His name was James. Please pray for his soul and pray for his family too during this difficult time. Um, but we shouldn't let our admiration of somebody that we love, somebody that we know was a good person, deprive him of our prayers. Because again, we, we can't we can't judge. We don't know somebody's heart. We know we know people well. We do know people well. Um, but there can always be something hidden, um, something that they struggled with, and maybe they kept going to confession to deal with this. And there might still be some stain that needs to be clean. Um, to be purified and that's where our prayers at the sacrifice of the mass during the funeral and later is a mass intention at any any Eucharistic sacrifice that's when these these intentions are lifted up to God because the sacrifice of the mass is the greatest sacrifice that can be made um, it's the atonement it's the atonement and those prayers since the, the mass is a prayer those prayers will help our loved ones move into the full beatitude of heaven. So I'm going to play Father Scalia's funeral homily now for his father, Justice Scalia. Um, it's about 10-15 minutes. So take a listen and see how he synthesizes the church's teaching in his homily. It's good talking with you guys. Take it easy. Have a good one. We are gathered here because of one man. A man known personally to many of us, known only by reputation to even more. A man loved by many, scorned by others. A man known for great controversy and for great compassion. That man, of course, is Jesus of Nazareth. It is he whom we proclaim. Jesus Christ, Son of the Father, 
born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, buried, risen, seated at the right hand of the Father. It is because of him, because of his life, death, and resurrection, that we do not mourn as those who have no hope, but in confidence we commend Antonin Scalia to the mercy of God. Scripture says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that sets a good course for our thoughts and our prayers here today. In effect, we look in three directions. To yesterday in thanksgiving, to today in petition, and into eternity with hope. We look to Jesus Christ yesterday, that is, to the past, in thanksgiving for the blessings God bestowed upon Dad. In the past week, many have recounted what Dad did for them. But here, today, we recount what God did for Dad, how he blessed him. We give thanks, first of all, for the atoning death and life-giving resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our Lord died and rose not only for all of us, but also for each of us. And at this time, we look to that yesterday of his death and resurrection, and we give thanks that he died and rose for Dad. Further, we give thanks that Jesus brought him to new life in baptism, nourished him with the Eucharist, and healed him in the confessional. We give thanks that Jesus bestowed upon him 55 years of marriage to the woman he loved, a woman who could match him at every step and even hold him accountable. God bless Dad with a deep Catholic faith. The conviction that Christ's presence and power continue in the world today through his body, the church. He loved the clarity and coherence of the church's teachings. He treasured the church's ceremonies, especially the beauty of her ancient worship. He trusted the power of her sacraments as the means of salvation, as Christ working within him for his salvation. Although, although one time, one Saturday afternoon, he did scold me for having heard confessions that afternoon, that same day. And I hope that is some source of consolation, if there are any lawyers present, that the Roman collar was not a shield uh, against his criticism. <laughs> the issue that evening was not that I'd been hearing confessions, but that he had found himself in my confessional line. <laughs> And he quickly departed it. As he put it later, 
like heck if I'm confessing to you. <laughs> the feeling was mutual. <laughs> God blessed Dad, as is well known, with a love for his country. He knew well what a close-run thing the founding of our nation was. And he saw in that founding, as did the founders themselves, a blessing. A blessing quickly lost when faith is banned from the public square or when we refuse to bring it there. So he understood that there is no conflict between loving God and loving one's country, between one's faith and one's public service. Dad understood that the deeper he went in his Catholic faith, the better a citizen and public servant he became. God blessed him with the desire to be the country's good servant because he was God's first. We Scalia's, however, give thanks for a particular blessing God bestowed. God blessed Dad with a love for his family. We have been thrilled to read and hear the many words of praise and admiration for him, for his intellect, his writings, his speeches, his influence, and so on. But more important to us and to him is that he was dad. He was the father that God gave us for the great adventure of family life. Sure, he forgot our names at times or mixed them up. <laughs> but there are nine of us. He loved us and sought to show that love and sought to share the blessing of the faith he treasured. And he gave us one another to have each other for support. That's, a, that's the greatest wealth parents can bestow. And right now, we are particularly grateful for it. So we look to the past, to Jesus Christ yesterday. We call to mind all of these blessings, and we give our Lord the honor and glory for them, for they are his work. We look to Jesus today in petition, to the present moment, here and now, as we mourn the one we love and admire, the one whose absence pains us. Today we pray for him. We pray for the repose of his soul. We thank God for his goodness to Dad, as is right and just. But we also know that although Dad believed, he did so imperfectly, like the rest of us. He tried to love God and neighbor, but like the rest of us, did so imperfectly. He was a practicing Catholic, practicing in the sense that he hadn't perfected it yet. Or rather, Christ was not yet perfected in him. And only those in whom Christ is brought to perfection can enter heaven. We are here then to lend our prayers to that perfecting, 
to that final work of God's grace in freeing dad from every encumbrance of sin. But don't take my word for it. Dad himself, not surprisingly, had something to say on the matter. Writing years ago to a Presbyterian minister whose funeral service he admired, he summarized quite nicely the pitfalls of funerals and why he didn't like eulogies. He wrote, Even when the deceased was an admirable person, indeed, especially when the deceased was an admirable person, praise for his virtues can cause us to forget that we are praying for and giving thanks for God's inexplicable mercy to a sinner. Now, he would not have exempted himself from that. We are here then, as he would want, to pray for God's inexplicable mercy to a sinner, to this sinner, Antonin Scalia. Let us not show him a false love and allow our admiration to deprive him of our prayers. We continue to show affection for him and do good for him by praying for him. That all stain of sin be washed away, that all wounds be healed, that he be purified of all that is not Christ, that he rest in peace. Finally, we look to Jesus forever, into eternity. Or better, we consider our own place in eternity and whether it will be with the Lord. Even as we pray for Dad to enter swiftly into eternal glory, we should be mindful of ourselves. Every funeral reminds us of just how thin the veil is between this world and the next, between time and eternity, between the opportunity for conversion and the moment of judgment. So we cannot depart here unchanged. It makes no sense to celebrate God's goodness and mercy to Dad if we are not attentive and responsive to those realities in our own lives. We must allow this encounter with eternity to change us, to turn us from sin and towards the Lord. The English Dominican father, B. Jarrett, put it beautifully when he prayed, O strong son of God, while you prepare a place for us, prepare us also for that happy place, that we may be with you and with those we love for all eternity. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. My dear friends, this is also the structure of the Mass. The greatest prayer we can offer for Dad, because it's not our prayer, but the Lord's. The Mass looks to Jesus yesterday. It reaches into the past, reaches to the Last Supper, to the crucifixion, to the resurrection, and it makes those mysteries and their power present here on this altar.
Jesus himself becomes present here today under the form of bread and wine so that we can unite all our prayers of thanksgiving, sorrow, and petition with Christ himself as an offering to the Father. And all of this with a view to eternity, stretching towards heaven, where we hope one day to enjoy that perfect union with God himself and to see Dad again and with him rejoice in the communion of saints.